The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he began to tell them this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, and this one also they wounded and cast out. And then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them. What is it that is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour for they perceived that he told the parable against them. But they feared the people. So they watched him and sent out spies, who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him up in something that he said and deliver him over to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So as we are looking at the Nicene Creed together, we have been uh, talking about, well, last week we talked about what it meant for for uh, why it's important for us to name Pontius Pilate. Who remembers why it's important for us to say that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate? Why do we say under Pontius Pilate? Does anybody remember? Why is Pontius Pilate important? Any grown-ups want to help? Because we know when it happened. Because it's not a, a story that happens once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. This is something that really happened, that Jesus was one of us 
that when Pontius Pilate was the governor in Judah, he crucified Jesus. Now, why was Jesus crucified? We're going to talk about that in our adult sermon in a little bit. So those of you that are, are a little bit older can, can pay a little bit closer attention during that part too. But what we say next in the creed is this, that Jesus suffered death. Now, we don't often use that word, do we? Suffer. Do we use that a lot? Do you guys say that a lot in your ordinary, everyday conversations? Suffer. <laughs> what do you think it means? What does suffer mean? Tully, you have a guess? It means to like... It means to like, like, be hurt or mm -hmm. continue to be hurt. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good, good. Ian, do you have a guess? Tell me all about your guess, buddy. Saying, are you okay? We could do that if we see somebody hurting, couldn't we? We go and ask them if they're, if they're okay. That's a good way to show them that we care about them, that we love them. Michaela, you had a guess? Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Mo, you have a guess? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So the difference between pain and suffering is that pain is hurt. If we feel hurt, whether it's something that happens to our bodies or it's something that happens in our minds or it's something that happens in our hearts, pain is feeling hurt. Suffering is when we are hurt by other people. When other people hurt us, it's suffering. It's pain, but we're not the ones who are responsible for it and we're not the ones who are in charge of it. And I just said the different ways that we can experience that, right? Sometimes we experience pain by hurting ourselves. Has anybody, hands up, has anybody ever hurt themselves? Yes? All right. Has anybody hurt themselves this week? I did. Did you guys hurt yourselves at some point this week? Falling down, just doing normal things. You walk into a door. My kids walk into doors a lot. Do you guys, do, you, do the rest of you guys walk into doors? Or is it just my, okay, it's not just my kids. It's you guys too, right? You walk into doors sometimes. You slipped on the grass and fell down at the playground. Yeah, we had a good time at the picnic, right? But there was lots of falling down on things, right? Yeah. So sometimes we experience pain in our bodies. But you know what else? We sometimes experience pain in our minds, don't we? Hmm? Maybe that looks like being embarrassed in front of other people. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been embarrassed yeah. before? Yeah. yeah. Embarrassment, that's a kind of pain that we can experience. Right? Or being or having people treat us badly. Have you been treated badly by people? Have people said things about you that weren't true? Yeah. We've all experienced that, haven't we? And there's another kind of pain that we can experience, and that's pain in our hearts. Have you ever felt that when something has happened to you and it makes your heart hurt? You can feel it kind of right here, right in the very center of you, can't you? That kind of sadness that just settles into us. Right? Have you felt that before? Maybe you lost somebody who was close to you. We say that Jesus suffered death. I mean, think about 
the crucifixion for a minute, okay? We've got some images of that in, around in our space, right? We have a cross here that, uh, that, that reminds us of the cross. We have a cross here that reminds us of Jesus at the cross, but resurrected. We have pictures of the crucifixion over, over on the wall, and we even have an icon of that when you come into the church right now. So we have images around us of what that means. But think about the different ways that we can experience, that we can have suffering. Jesus was attacked and he was arrested in secret at night. And then he was beaten up by the guards and the priests. And then they whipped him and then they nailed him to a cross. Those are all ways that Jesus suffered in his body. But he was also left alone in jail all night. And he was also shamed and embarrassed by the soldiers. And he was also dragged through the city. And just like we can experience embarrassment and hurt in our minds, Jesus experienced that same kind of suffering. Do you have a question, Mo? No, but actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, because Well, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but because they didn't like what Jesus was saying about the way that they were practicing religion. Yeah, yeah, Jesus was, Jesus was threatening to take away their power and their authority and their money, and they were, they were threatened by that, and so they decided that they wanted, to, they wanted to hurt him, but they didn't just want to hurt him, they wanted to shame him in front of other people. But they also hurt Jesus' heart. Not just in his body and not just in his mind, but in his heart. Because Jesus was abandoned by all of his friends. In fact, one of his friends sold him for money. One of his friends took money in order to tell the, the people who were against Jesus where Jesus was staying so that they could sneak up on him and arrest him in secret. He was left all alone by the people who were closest to him. And he was there on the cross while people were making fun of him, while he lost everything, and they left him there to die. And that story is a story that we're going to be telling together as a church next Sunday, and then all the week after that, because we're coming up on Easter. And not just Easter, but we're coming up on Holy Week, where we're going to tell over and over and over again the story of Jesus's victory over Sin and over death and over the devil. We're going to tell this story again and again. But before we go into Holy Week next week, I want you to hear this. All right? So eyes up here. Everybody looking. Everybody listening. Jesus suffered death on the cross because he loves you. Because he loves you. God has already done everything that can be done so that you can belong to him forever. That is what God's love for you looks like. You hear me? Does everybody hear me? Yeah. God has already given up everything. God has already endured everything. He has already suffered everything so that sin doesn't win, so that death is destroyed, so that the devil is defeated, and so that you right now, right here this morning, belong to Jesus. That's what our baptism means. It means that we belong to God. We have been baptized, and when we're baptized, we are made a new creation. 
We are given a new home. We belong to God. This place that we come to be near each other, to be near God, is a new home for us. We belong to Jesus, and he gives us a new kind of food. And the only thing that you and I ever have to say is, thank you, Jesus. That's it. The only thing that Jesus asks from you is for you and I to be people who say, thank you. You guys want to say that with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's practice saying that all next week when we hear the story about what Jesus did for us. Practice saying, thank you, Jesus. All right, let's say our memory verse together, okay? You guys have been working on it this week, right? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. All right, you guys work on that some more and we'll practice it again together next week, okay? All right, let's say our prayer. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. Amen. So the gospel lesson today is the story of the wicked tenants, or the story of the vineyard. All right? Now, to put us in in context, this is just after Jesus has come into Jerusalem. All right? So this is just after the Palm Sunday event. Jesus comes to Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and all of the crowds come out to greet him and to welcome him as the king, as the Messiah who is returning to Jerusalem. The king is coming home. And they lay down their coats in front of him so that, so that the, the donkey's feet don't get dirty. And they, and they wave branches and things in the air. They give praise to the king who is coming. And then Jesus goes to the temple and he sits down and he begins to teach the people there. Now, Matthew and Mark and Luke tell us this same story that Jesus taught them. In every single one of the, of, of the linear Gospels, we call them the synoptics, which just means they tell them in order. In every single one of them, they tell us this story, that after Jesus came into Jerusalem, he went to the temple, he sat down when all of the people were gathered around him, and he began to teach. And when he was teaching them, he told them this story. And he told them this story because the scribes and the elders came up and they began to confront him. Jesus sat down teaching the people. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the religious elite, came to Jesus and they tried to get into his face. They tried to embarrass him. They tried to call him out to say that he wasn't the one who should be sitting and teaching. And Jesus shamed them. And he shamed them in a way that may not be shocking to us, but it should be. And let me tell you why. In the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah is telling God's people about what it is that God is about to do, when Isaiah is warning God's people about the destruction that's about to come to them because of their idolatry, because they have walked away from God for so long, God is going to, is going to withdraw his protection and all of the forces that are gathered around them are going to fall on them. When Isaiah tells them this story, he tells them a story about a man who planted a vineyard. In fact, he does it several times in, in the book of Isaiah. He tells the story about a man who planted a vineyard. And he said, this vineyard 
is Israel. This vineyard is Jerusalem. God planted a vineyard. And he came to it and he expected to get good crops. But instead, what he found was, our English translations usually say bad fruit. But that's not what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah says stink fruit. He found rotten fruit. The fruit had gone rotten. He found stink fruit. And so what does he do? He tears down the walls and lets all of the wild creatures from all of the area around come in and destroy the vineyard. When God comes to his vineyard and finds stink fruit, God takes away the protection that's around the vineyard. Now, Jesus... This is the, the, the people of God are sent into exile. They come back. They rebuild the temple twice. They, they make Jerusalem bigger than it ever was before. They restore everything that was there. And then Jesus comes into the temple, sits down in this brand new, big, giant, extra fancy temple and tells them a story about a man who planted a vineyard. He looks at these religious leaders and he says, there was a man who planted a vineyard once. And when it came time for him to gather the produce from that vineyard, he sent his servant. But the tenants who were in charge of that vineyard, they grabbed the servant and they beat him up and threw him out. And they did that to the next servant and the next servant over and over again. He sent them. And so finally, this landlord said, I'm going to send my son. Surely they'll respect him. And so when his son arrived, what did the tenants do? Well, they looked at each other and they said, this guy's the heir. If we kill him, then the vineyard's ours. So they grabbed the son, they dragged him outside of the vineyard, and they killed him. And what's God going to do? What's, he says here, what is it that he's going to do? He's going to come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. He's going to come destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. And the people, not the priests, the people who are gathered around listening to this story say, no, no, we were, we were gone from this place for three generations. We were gone from this place so long that we forgot what it looked like. We've spent 200 years building this temple back the way that it's supposed to be. We've spent 400 years restoring this city. Say, no, don't destroy it. But Jesus says this, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. It's become the center of the wall. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. To the people in the vineyard, they thought that they could get rid of this problem that was coming to them. They thought that they could just throw the sun out. That sounds weird to us, okay? Admittedly, it sounds really strange to us because that's not how, like, property works in our world, okay? It says that the, that the landlord went away to a far country and, he, and, and people came and they, they started, you know, requiring things. Probably in, in this world, the assumption that the, that the tenants were making was that the landlord had died and his son was coming. And in the ancient world, 
possession was more than nine tenths of the law. So if they killed this guy, there wasn't there there weren't courts, there wasn't you know an IRS office that was making sure that all the paperwork was filed correctly. There was none of that. If there was nobody who had authority, and, and by authority I mean power enough to take the vineyard back, then it would just be theirs. That's what they thought. And Jesus is saying to the scribes, to the Pharisees, to the religious elite, you're the tenants. Look at the way that you treated the prophets who came to you. You stoned them and you beat them. You killed them and threw them away. Over and over and over again. And now the landlord has sent his son. And what do they do? They drag his son out of the vineyard and kill him. But Jesus says the stone that the builders rejected is now the center of the wall. It's the lodestone. It's the stone that all of the rest of the wall is built on. And he says something that we may have heard before and not paid a lot of attention to. This is in verse uh, 18. He says, everyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. But if this stone falls on anyone, it will crush him. Crushing is a very violent metaphor. Okay, it, When you're building a wall... You have to uh, you, you have to find a way to level it, and and in most of the ancient world, you don't have you can't just go to Lowe's, right? There's there's not just you know the mason shop down the street. You have to take the things that you have at hand and you have to use them. And so they would use dirt. But often when you were building a wall, if you needed to to join the new parts, you would take the old stones and you would grind them up. And Jesus is saying that there are some people when God builds this new vineyard are not going to be a part of that new kingdom. There are some people who are going to be ground up. They're going to put themselves in opposition to this new kingdom, this new vineyard that God is establishing in Jesus. And anything that's in opposition to that is going to be ground up, and there's not going to be anything left. But some of the stones are going to be broken. And broken is also an important story in the Old Testament. Broken is a very important word throughout the Old Testament. It shows up over and over again in the Psalms where God is begging and pleading his people to have broken hearts. To have hearts that are not hardened but hearts that are broken, hearts that are open to be changed, to be restored, to be made new again. The word broken shows up again and again in the, in the writings of the prophets, and especially in the writings of Isaiah, where he calls the people over and over again to have broken spirits, to have a spirit that is ready to be put back together. Brokenness in the Old Testament is something that God fixes. Brokenness is something that God heals. And the longing of God's heart is to heal the brokenness in us. The brokenness in our hearts and the brokenness in our relationships, the brokenness in creation and the brokenness between us and himself. What God is doing is fixing what has gone wrong. What God is doing is healing what has been broken. 
What Jesus is saying to the people who are gathered there is there's going to be a new vineyard. And all of the people who are sitting there listening to this, the religious elite and his disciples and all of the other people who are there at the temple on that day, all of them hear this and all of them are going to be confronted with the new vineyard that God is going to establish in Jesus Christ. And some of them are not going to be a part of it because they're going to choose to be the old vineyard. And if that happens... They're just going to be sand that levels the walls. But the others, when that wall is broken down, are going to be made new. They're going to be a part of the new work that God is building. The same thing happens in our hearts when we come face to face with God's grace. When you and I come face to face with Jesus at his cross, as we are every single one of us going to do in the next couple of weeks, as we, along with all of our kids, are walking through this story together again and again, we are going to come face to face with God's grace. And when our hearts come face to face with God's grace, one of two things happen. We are broken and transformed or those old pieces are crushed and left behind. That's what happens when we come face to face with God's grace. God's grace changes us and restores us. It makes us new again. And Jesus' invitation to us is that there is a new vineyard. There's a new way of being God's people. There's a new way of being the ones who take care of God's creation. There's a new way of us living together in God's place. And when we come face to face with God's grace, we are going to be changed. And the longing of God's heart is for you and I to choose to be made whole. Change is coming. Wherever God shows up, change happens. Wherever the Father is, things aren't the way that they used to be. Wherever Christ is, there is new life. Wherever the Spirit is, change is coming. And if God is here with us in this place, in this community, change is going to happen. And when we face the change that happens because of God's presence... We choose to be restored or pushed aside. That's what grace looks like in our lives. But God again and again is offering us the chance to be restored. To experience the healing that only happens when we come face to face with Jesus. The kind of healing that we talked about in our hymn at the very beginning of the service today. To come to Jesus just as we are. To come to Jesus only relying on Jesus, only trusting in Jesus, only hoping in Jesus, only hungry for Jesus, only longing for Jesus. Because when we come to him that way, when we are ready to be healed, to be made whole, 
we will experience Christ's presence in our life. We will experience the new birth that comes from the Holy Spirit. We will experience the love that comes to us from the Father. And you and I will not be crushed. You and I will be restored. You and I will be made whole. That is the promise of Jesus to you today. To draw near to the table to experience His grace, to come to Him just as you are right now, saying, thank you, Jesus, and to be made whole, and to be healed, and to be restored. That's the promise of the cornerstone that the builders rejected. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.